Live from a newer, prettier, more modern apocalypse. <laughs> this is State of the Game. I am Dan O. I'm the Gary fucking Shandling <laughs> of this shit. <laughs> because this is what I do. And once I'm done with it, I'm just going to hang out. That, that's, that's why. This is my thing. So, my co-host, he is in the world of free music empire. He is our John Cena. Uh, he's he's mostly in jean shorts with no shirt on. That's really what his deal is. So, uh, yeah, I've got jean shorts on right now. I don't want to lower the yeah. camera, but yeah, yep. it's what I feel comfortable in. So, tattered at the bottom, water bottle. You know, you know the deal. So. It's that we this is another one of our beloved canon dates episodes. Um, uh, I love the canon dates idea, um, because we, we're to go over it, we're talking about taking a year, a recent year, or yeah, whatever year. And I mean, it's a little easier. You go, you go back to like 1975 and you're like. <laughs> I think Born to Run was good. You, you know, okay. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty easy stuff. Right. Um, but you go to a pretty recent year and you pick out, out, you look at what happened, what albums were released, and you start to look at what albums are going to live in the canon. In, in Like they're going to follow you, right? And, and, uh, and this time, and maybe it was just because of the crop of albums that were released in 2015, Influence was really in my mind. Mm. Influence was heavy because Kendrick Lamar drops to Pimp a Butterfly, right? Yeah. But Future drops Beast Mode, 56 Nights, um, I think Dirty Sprite 1. I think he released three Ooh, albums. I think it was Dirty Sprite 2. Was it two or was yeah. it one? Okay. But three projects within that year. And, and uh, I think I think the Drake, the Drake and Future album, What a Time to Be. Mm. What was it? What a time. I think what that was time to be alive. Yep, yep, too, yep. So which has one great song. Uh, <laughs> look, yeah. I'm here to tell you the truth. Um so yep. Diamonds Dancing, that's the name of it. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it, people were really like beginning to change the world and you could see the impact. You could start to see people line up behind these camps, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there were, you know, the people in the TDE camp, you know, once, once the Pimple Butterfly comes out, you can't tell these dudes nothing, right? Like right. believers, dude, believers. Like there are people who are like never coming back from that, right? Like right. he's always the dude who did to Pimper Butterfly and he always will be in, in a lot of people's minds. Uh, and some people just, just rode with that label as, as long as they could because of that. Yeah, until Top just stopped releasing music uh, <laughs> and made everybody at him on twitter um 
shout out to top i hope you're feeling loved the um but the yeah influence was everywhere so i was really looking at you know when you get beyond future when you get beyond drake when you get beyond kendrick and you move down is there an influence that we overlooked mm-hmm. is there people who were feeling the ramifications of now from 2015 that we don't even connect that that is the case so uh do you want to start your list first or my list first or what do you think uh i mean we can uh we can start with mine mine i'll just go with my my uh we can back and forth if you want it we yeah can, back and forth is what we can run yeah. dmc this thing <laughs> yeah yeah so let's go i mean let's go with some of our let's start with like some of the honorable mentions do you have mm-hmm. any ones that let's do it i can lead off with honorable mention yeah because i will write about this god damn it for subscribers uh i i am into this the um my honorable mention was an album called i want to grow up by colleen green Mm. i love this album uh it's 10 tracks it's rock music but it is very postmodern. Like it is very, uh, it's very in this world, this generation. Like they give you some song titles, "Grind My Teeth," uh, "Things That Are Bad for Me," Part One and Two. Those are two different songs. TV. I I want to grow up. Uh, you know, some people like this. This is an album that lives at that time. Uh, and isn't nostalgic and it really is kind of familiar rock sounds with a lyrical base to it and we so we we get that because waxahachi dropped that same year by the way 2015 waxahachi is very much known like lyrical you know uh low-key stuff but colleen green gets gets you know maybe lost to the dustbins in terms of that stuff. I think it's an album that really stood high at the time and you're really seeing a lot of, of post Colleen Green wave. So that's, mm. uh, I'd recommend it. It's great. Okay, so I'll go my honorable mention because I told you before we start, I told you that I had like four that I was really- Yep. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll go with the weekend the weekend beauty behind the madness as my honorable mention. Uh, I think that was for me. That was you know the transition from weekend to this niche uh, artist that you know people fell in love with to the pop star that he is now, who's going to be playing the Super Bowl uh, next nope. month. So. I think this is a very interesting album. I, I think it's like a blueprint for a lot of artists on how uh, how to kind of, you know, when you come into the game with a certain sound, how do you expand that sound so that you can reach like reach a, a bigger audience? And I think I yeah, think I he mean, did a good job. Yeah, ahead. I was gonna say I think he did a great job trying to reach a bigger audience with this album yeah i listened to it when you said 
you said you were thinking about it and, and I listened to it and I was, I was like, man, I, the thought that came to my mind was weekend has now been around so long that he has the multiple turning points in his career. Right. Mm. Like for me, I'm, I'm an old head. So I'm like, no house of balloons is yeah. that's, that's the fucking one. Um, but there are some people who are like after hours is the fucking one. Like they, they think right now is the weekend. Right. Right. There are some people who will look at this like beauty behind the madness uh, and say, this is the one that uh, that changed his career. And honestly, all of those answers are right. right. House of Balloons changed his career. Beauty behind the madness changed his career. After hours changed his career. He's had a hell of a career. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the real difference beauty behind the madness is when he he cracks the like the pop mode he figures out how to how to interact with that pop audience yeah i mean he had he had the song uh on the was it 50 shades or 40 shades of gray 50 shades of gray i think it was 50 shades of gray 50 shades of gray the uh worth it song and then yep. he had uh, "I Can't Feel My Face," yep, which was about cocaine use, and you know everyone was singing that song. And uh, I mean, I I just think he found he found a way to incorporate his, the darkness of his persona into this pop this pop sphere, yeah. uh, and he did it in a way that was like completely natural to him. Uh, and so you know, and now I mean. I can't imagine, like 2015, if you had said in 2015 that Weekend would be starring at the halftime show of the Super Bowl, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed you. But I think this album was what led him down that pathway to be probably one of the biggest pop stars on earth in 2021 right now at this time. Yeah, listening to this was good for me. Whether or not it makes your list, it was good <laughs> for me because... I, f- I figured out that I'm, I think I'm a little too hard on the weekend. <laughs> I think I am. I think I'm my attachment to, um, to house of balloons. Yeah. Has me like a bitter ex. Right. Yeah. You know, that's what, I mean, that's what we was. compare everything he does to house of balloons. He what he was, when he was with me, you know, like that's kind of, the bitterness that I was pumping and, and the, I realized it and I was like, you know what, man? Like, with the last two songs come on, Angels with Lana Del Rey and uh, what is it? Fake Sadness with Ed Sheeran. Um, is that the name of the song? Fake Sadness? I hope it is. Um, um, let me pull it up. <laughs> Dark Feelings? I don't know, whatever. Um but when you when you go from those two, right? When you go from like Ed Sheeran to Lana Del Rey, and you're you're thinking, you know what, man, he's better than these people. Like, yeah. he's clearly better than these people. Like, this is not, you know, if someone's gonna be in the pop space, let it be able. Like, he's, <laughs> he's a writer, dog. He's a writer. Yeah. Like, he writes these songs. These are they're 
there's bars in that. Like it's yeah, it's real. He's always had bars, absolutely. He, yes. So, and yeah, the Michael Jackson voice, and that's cool. But like, I'm here. I'm here for the writers, man. <laughs> I support yeah. the writers. I support the, the the people who can like craft the message, bring it up, uh, do it their way. This album totally did. Um, I think it would be totally fair to have this in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only re- the only reason it wasn't in, uh, it was too. It was almost. It was like one of the biggest albums of the year, so it was almost too big to put into my to my top three for like underrated albums. I guess we should say so. Yep. This was an honorable mention for me. Totally. So let's let me get to to one of. Let's just do one of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. We can talk about uh, let's do let's do pageant material oof casey musgrave casey. the uh so i i i think this is one of the best albums that's come out in a long time uh it's 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 right up there with anything for me uh and I, and I know people would like maybe bristle at that or whatever. Um, it's for me, it's it totally changes the the nature of pop country. It totally challenges it and makes it better. Mm. Better um, in what way? Because country was a little bit boring it, it, lyrically right mm. from from yep. the sense of how it's composed country's always getting made fun of for being basic right right um and there's just a you know a lot of the kind of and, and low stakes honestly right like she broke my heart now i'm drinking a beer okay you know, like, <laughs> okay it's a that doesn't sound too bad i mean meek mill's in jail <laughs> Hey, um, so there's there's a balance to be struck and all that, but it's she really keeps it interesting and the the whole pageant material song of like the, uh, you know, I I want there to be world peace, but I don't know how I'm going to get there in this swimsuit, right? Like (laughs) it's it's there's a there's a sass there, there's a wit, there's a there's an edge there's a punk ass attitude amongst this wit uh amongst this song construction and this beautiful voice like yeah a beautiful voice that should be coming out of a normal person yeah but she is just giving it to you and she's weird and she her brain is weird if you follow her on twitter she's very weird um so and that's cool like i i I like the people that aren't that don't necessarily fit and i like when they get put into the spotlight and and that makes sense so this album was really important to me and it really does cover some great i mean i think because there's a lot of patsy klein moments in there i don't know how familiar you are with patsy klein vaguely uh crazy and all that stuff um but yeah, late to the party is that kind yeah. of thing. It's it's a really beautiful song. Uh, 
this town is really cool. Yeah. Like somebody to love is is awesome. There's a lot of shit in there. Uh, the boys club, good old boys club. Like there's a lot. There's rejection of certain things that are within country, right? Like, um, and it it's not a country album about country. No, it's a country album about the atmosphere that she came from. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it diagnoses the good parts and the bad parts of that, and kind of separates it out. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to listen to it? Were you yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I listened to it the first time in 2015, but I listened to it again. But I mean, I think it's like you said, she's got one of the sharpest pens in not just country, but just period. And you could tell that this was the setup for, uh, you know, the direction that she went on and then in on her next album, which won the Grammy for best album. But uh, I mean, I thought her. First of all, like like you said, I thought late to the party was was phenomenal. Um, I just thought her pen game like was very was very good, and she was able to be specific enough that I don't know if I'm going to say this right. She was able to be like her 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 lyrics are specific enough that they're general enough that any everyone can relate to them. Yeah. No. And. No, I, I, there's details, right? Specific details can ground yes. your audience. That's that's a real important part of just writing, you know. Um, so that's that's important. I think one thing that, that I was thinking about was you remember, like one of our favorite albums was that Vampire Weekend album, that last Vampire Weekend mm-hmm. album, Father Father of the Bride. Yeah, was that was like. Uh, amongst my candidates for the last candidates episode we did on 2019, uh, that album was inspired by going to a Casey Musgraves concert. Yeah, there's no question that that he went to that concert and he heard this these songs, right? And biscuits and this town and all this stuff, and was like, man, there's real warmth here. Like mm. beyond the wit and lyricism, which he can do, there's a real warmth to the to the album and to the way it's done, right? right. Uh, that that makes the listening experience different. Right. And, I mean, she told the line. I was gonna say she told the line very well between pop and country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I compare it to like Taylor Swift in a way. That's who she gets par- compared to often. But I feel like this album's a little bit more mature than I don't know, like a Fearless or uh, Speak Now. Because uh, I mean, she was in Casey's in her, you know, mid twenties, early twenties when she wrote this. So right. it's it it's 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 still that like she she's in that country pop sphere, but. It's progressive and it's more emotionally mature. And maybe I connect to it more than I've ever connected to a Taylor Swift album because people that want to be liked really badly uh, make me uncomfortable. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? Yeah. Is that bad? 
It's a fair point. Do I work on that? I don't know. So Taylor really wants acceptance. She really wants like, you know, love. You know, that's like this is what this <laughs> is, right? She wants a connection with her audience. She wants to, you know, she wants kind of universal acceptance. It, right. That's how the music has always struck me. You correct me if I'm wrong. I don't that's know a fair point. <laughs> uh, whereas pageant material really feels like the album you write to say, I don't really give a fuck if you ever understand me. Here's why, you know? Right. Like there's definitely a, yeah, just a different a- attitude of like, you know, I'm in the middle of this, but I could give it or take it, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I, I've always found that an interesting place to write from. Right. It's also the stories aren't necessarily always about her, which to me, Taylor songs are always about her. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, that's, that's a, f- yeah. I mean, early, early Taylor is, yeah. I think she's gotten more into like her, the last couple albums that she released in 2020 right. are more like short storytelling. But yeah, I mean the the sub layers are about her in some way. But she's a great writer. Care. She's a great writer. She she's is. but she is like I don't know. There's like a natural um, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day thing where she's like she is makes everything poppier, right? Just everything around her poppier. Mm-hmm. That's just what she does instinctually. So. Right just gonna blow up right it's gonna become anthemic whether you like it or not uh and these songs don't have to right they don't have uh some of them do some of them don't they don't have to uh i think it's it's good and and yeah so that's 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 good times the um what just give me give me uh one of yours let's talk about so my third one uh my number three would be Kamazi Washington, the epic, uh, which was released on May 5th, 2015. Um, And I I think this album really hit me because I ended up, like my father and I ended up seeing him live on, uh, like he came to Portland and we we ended up seeing him live one, one day during the summer of 2015. Wow. Yeah. And my my dad ended up buying the album, like after he heard the heard the group, he ended up buying their album after. And it's and it's one of his, I wouldn't say it's one of his favorite favorite albums, but of of the last couple of years, it's the one that of the last you know five seven years, it's the one that he goes back to pretty often. So for me, I think what what Kamazi. I think what made it special, this epic, was that it came out. So, "To Pimp a Butterfly" came out in March of that year, mm-hmm. and he was featured on this album. Uh, he was featured. Kamazi was featured on "To Pimp a Butterfly." Yep, yep, yep. And so that I I had heard his name there, so I was like, you know what? Let me go check him out when he comes here. So I think what makes this album special was that it was the further connection of jazz and hip hop. I mean, I think like you look at Kamazi Washington now, you look at uh, Thundercat, 
uh, mm-hmm. Terrace Martin. These are all guys that were on to Pimp a Butterfly who gained recognition from, you know, this genre of hip hop and have used that recognition and those ears and spread it over to jazz. So, by the way, check the credits on this. Thundercat was there. Oh, Thundercat, wow. Thundercat played on this album. So, right. I was listening to this, you know, before we started. Uh, and this, it, it's, it's stupendous. And I think we, it's not necessarily, you know, jazz people doing hip hop, right? Or post hip hop jazz. It is uh, this group. Right, Thundercat, Terrace Martin, Kamasi, all the people you said, they grew up in the West Coast. They grew mm-hmm. up on hip hop, but they also grew up on funk, like Roger Troutman and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they grew up on this, all these kinds of music. And so that, that funk music finds its way into the music. The hip hop finds its way into the music. In, in interesting ways, in interesting compositional ways that are natural to them because that's what mm-hmm. they grew up on, right? So it's just a different, they have a different background, but they're also like brilliant at the, the art of that composition. Yeah. So they can give a totally different personality to high level jazz. Yeah. Uh, what struck me and continue to strike me whenever I listen to Epic is, and this to me is what makes Kamasi so special, because as, as you know, when uh, when uh, what is it called? Uh, when Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker came in and and put Hard Bop in there. Bebop. The snack, huh? Bebop. Yeah, but Bebop then turns into like Hard Bop, where like. It's, but Bebop, yeah. So Bebop, the sacrifice there is that they challenge the composition by putting more notes in, but by the, putting more notes in, it made it less sweet, tender, uh, emotional, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it can feel distant, right? right? You can listen to that stuff if you can feel distant at times. Kamasi is able to have his cake and eat it too. Make these dense, long songs with all kinds of high-level playing and improvising and interlocking, uh, but at the same time, really slow it down to a beautiful pace that acknowledges some of the great uh, kind of tender, beautiful composers like that's like one of the things that I loved about Duke. There's a lot of Ellington, right? Involved mm-hmm. in it where like mm-hmm. Ellington was able to make this kind of bouncy swing and then slow it down and make beautiful moments that could, that stretched and notes took over and he made space for them. Right. right. This album has space for those notes and for that singing. And Patrice Quinn is a big part of that. Patrice Quinn, her singing in the album. Yeah. Um, very well placed within the album to break it up. But when she comes on, it kind of sounds like like a, like a movie soundtrack from the 60s or something. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful, but it's like a big musical kind of feeling to it. 
it's very old feeling. She's got, yeah, she's got a great, Patrice has a great voice. It sounds classic and Epic is supposed to explain all of jazz, basically, right? Mm. Like in, in how it sounds and it kind of does, mm. which is the insane part, right? Yeah. It kind of does. Um, and like Thundercat, think of all the dope shit Thundercats put out after this album. Yeah. Then I'll give you another one. Brandon Coleman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that album. I woke up to a song from that album today. <laughs> uh, it's we. I listen to it all the time, man. Um, that crew is so deep with talent that okay. we are Absolutely. still feeling the vibrations of it. Absolutely. All right. Now that I've been able to say reverberations, <laughs> um, let's talk Dram. Oof. Dram. Two EPs. One is called Goddamn. The other one is called uh, Number One Ep Epic. Yeah, Number yeah. One Epic. Ironically, yeah. Very funny, man. I, I, I will tell you. Let me tell you a little something about my wife. Huh? <laughs> 2015, Dram comes out. We play Cha Cha all the time. Great yeah. song. Yeah. Right? Great song. But I try and put on anything else by Dram. She's like, this is awful. This is awful. <laughs> not a thing. It's not going to be a thing. He's, he's done this, and this is what he's going to do. Um, <laughs> not having other Dram. Um, but that's... <laughs> it's... In 2015, he was really at the crux of a movement. Hmm movement okay the, to put it in context what other album comes out that's classic in 2015 oh i mean let's see that's connected to dram it's connected to dram it's connected to this i don't really rap but i but i don't really sing but i do a little bit of both y young thug nope free tc Okay, Ty Dolla. Yep, that's mm. Ty Dolla Sign, my favorite Ty Dolla Sign album. Comes out the same year as these two EPs, and they're it's very connected to this new movement of people who aren't they aren't really singing, they aren't really rapping, they're just kind of doing their thing. <laughs> and I mean, you could make the connection. Like I loved, I loved Cha Cha too. Cha Cha was my. Wonderful. One of my favorite songs is 2015. Sorry. And then if you notice, like, what was the next song? What was the next song Drake released after? If you're reading this, it's too late. Like the next single it was Hotline Hot Bling. Hotline Bling, yeah. Which yeah. was basically like for the people cha -cha. who, who yeah, it's basically cha-cha. But less fun. It's a less, less fun. fun. Yeah. Less, less fun energy, less kinetic energy. But you can't tell me that that song, like, till this day, I still say the same thing. You can't convince me that Hotline Bling was not influenced by Cha Cha. I'm with you, man. I'm with uh, so it, it kind of took some of the shine off of the spotlight off of Dram when he, I mean, when he deserved it. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and he did get left behind in that sense. But uh, I think if I was trying to make a case that he's left behind and none of the, I think the counter argument would be, but that's one song. Yeah. Like, that's one song that he should have been able to be like, take that one. I got more. Right. I mean, he did. I think, I think that his other hit, I think he's had two hits. The other hit would probably be broccoli. Broccoli with Yachty. Right. Yachty, but like, right. He's one of those guys. Dram is one of those guys. And while re-listening to goddamn and number one epic, I realize, man, he's just one of those dudes. He's not an album guy. Right. Not an album guy. Album guy lifestyle's different, man. It's different. I was just talking to somebody who had one of the best albums of 2020. I was talking to Fatboy Sharif. And uh, he, I asked him about like, you know, putting together an album and what what is what is important. And he said, track sequencing. Yes. He was all about track sequencing, and dude, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, you have to be patient, right? Some of the tracks on that album on Fabo Sharif's uh, GLC with uh, Roper Williams, some of them are a minute long. Some of them are f- three minutes long. Some of them, you know, it, 38 seconds, you know, like uh, he he's crafting it so that you don't know what you're getting next, right? Right. So, I, the Dram was kind of, there were songs, man. There were songs and he was great at it, but, you know, it was, you know, but but it ushered in this whole wave, people like Kyle and like who were just good at, at singles, right? Right. Yachty, you know, who are just like living off singles. That's interesting. And there, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's, now that I think about it, like we kind of, I, I tend to look down on artists who only release singles, but maybe maybe that's how some artists are designed maybe some artists are designed to you know come up with really good song ideas yep. and release those as opposed to some artists who have bigger visions and are are able to produce a body of work a cohesive yeah. body of work yeah I, I think that makes sense man everybody lives in their own world does it their own way uh, but you know, like think of Fetty Wap, right? Like Fetty Wap yeah. releases yeah. a bunch of stuff. He kind of lives off the singles. Nobody's mad at Fetty Wap. Like he just right. does his own thing. Um, so I think I think Dram kind of sets the table, preps consumers for that, uh, yeah. and gives us Cha Cha, which is just a classic. Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, does great work with other people. Dram kills it with someone else right he kills it with erica badu he kills it with sizza on goddamn he becomes like a really good team player on a track yeah which honestly if you're a singles guy you gotta have it you gotta be who is the post malone (laughs) right post malone 
can jump on that Spider-Man track soundtrack. Sunflowers. You're right. Right? Totally. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, I mean, that that's a good connection, segue to what who my number two would be. Yep. Um, so the guy who was featured on that Sunflowers track with Post Malone, uh, Sway Lee, is Ooh. on is on my number two album, uh, Shrem Life. Shrem Life. Shrem Life. Yep. Released by Ray Shrumman. Shrummerd. Shrummerd. Got to get 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 that uh, pronunciation correct. Um, so this, this album was released January 6th, 2015. And I mean, for me, this was one, I mean, this was obviously the coming, for me, it was the coming out party for Mike Will I Am. This was when he was. For you say Will I Am or Mike, Mike Will, Will Am? Mike Will made it. I, I always do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Shout out to Will I Am, who's now who knows. Mike, Mike Will made it. I'm. Thank you for calling me out because I always do. I do that without thinking. Like I always go into. I'm here. With um, Mike. Mike Will made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, first of all, you had the No Flex Zone, which was nope. a monster hit. Monster hit. Um, come and get her. Because she's dancing like an exotic dancer. Yep. Uh, was a hit. Up like Trump. Came out before he uh, before he that ran is, was a hit. That has not aged well. That is that not. is a funny song. Um, <laughs> to be to be frank, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's. I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> Ray Sremond is genuinely one of the strangest things that happened in music. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the notion, I mean, the notion that Mike Will was like, I, I look, I'm done. Like, I, I'm tired of being the victim of other people's visions. I want my own thing. Well, my own thing is going to be these kids. Like, and so he gets these kids and then he's like, you know what you'll be named? You'll be named my production team, but backwards. <laughs> And guess who's doing the beats? My production team. Um, it was. It's genuinely one of the strangest things. And the fact that it worked. Is oh, so man. Because they're, str- by the way, these kids are strange. Sway Lee, who's the other one? I, uh, I don't know. Sway Lee and let me get his name because he needs, we need to give him a little bit more recognition about Slim. Jimmy. Slim Jimmy. So, yes, these two are odd. When they hit the scene in 2015, they were doing interviews. They were being interviewed on ESPN, right? <laughs> Just everywhere. And they were bouncing off the walls. Uh, who's the dude? A oh, Levitard, Dan Levitard. You remember the TV show with his yeah. dad? He still has it, yeah. Dude, you got to find the Ray Sremond interview from back then, bro. They were bouncing off the walls. They were nuts, and and like they looked like like idiots, man. Like um, goons from a cartoon, like from a Ninja Turtles cartoon. But like they aren't idiots. Like they're really good at Very what they good. do. And 
they really embraced this situation. Most people would have shut down, would have just been like, this is fucking weird. Like, yeah. our, we're named after your shit. Like, <laughs> you have control over everything. Like, this kind of sucks. Like, like, but they were pumped. They were like, let's go. Like, yeah. and they, they embraced it and they brought the energy and it, it works. And, and it works, but like, I didn't think it would work again. Oh man, yeah. Weird. It worked again. Uh, yeah. It worked twice. It did not work three times. It did not work yeah. three times. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, if you think about it, this, this song, this album has eleven tracks, and six of them are hits. Yep. That's um, fair. And I mean, I yep. think, I think this was, and and I mean, Sway Lee, I mean, Slim Jimmy, he hasn't reach that level of prominence yet, but right. you know, race, I'm not, I'm sorry. What's not race from Oh, uh, what's my man's name? Um, Sway Lee. I mean, Sway Lee is legit. I mean, you, he's been, he's probably one of the go-to for features. Like you can throw him on a hook and he sound he can fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think this album was important. First of all, like it, it sealed Mike, Mike will made it. it it sealed his reputation as probably one of the biggest producers in in the modern era of hip hop for sure. Um, no question. I mean, and it and it also launched like I felt like it paved the way for you know like if you listen to if you listen to modern like hip hop I don't know I don't even know what to call it like R I guess it would be R and B. Like I'm thinking like a Chris Brown. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Chris Chris Brown's sound is very in the lane of this Ray Shrumman. Ray Shrummerd. Oh wow. Uh and I, I mean, and I think like how you hear R and B kind of veer like some R and B nowadays is very indistinguishable from hip hop. Like you can't really tell the difference. Yep. And I, I think that this album kind of led into that kind of built built into that direction that uh hip hop i don't even know what you would call it like r&b hip hop is in right now the space that it's in now right it's uh no i think that's an interesting point that post post shremond because sway lee's is really the engine here sway lee get is a hooker man sway lee yes <laughs> he's he he's giving hooks He's he's buttery with the hooks, right? Yeah. But he, after him, you're like, man, buttery hooks, I can do that. Big trap beats, lots of energy, I can do that. So that makes sense that if you're like one of those old school pretty Ricky dudes, you're like, this is the late. <laughs> this is this is my late yeah. at this point, right? Like, um, that makes sense. So. No, it's it's weird, um, and yeah, they were gonna. I remember when they were all like, "They're gonna go solo," and it's where do you go from here? Because we don't really know you at all, right? <laughs> right? Like, we don't really know anything about you. We don't really have a connection to you to want you to go solo. If that makes sense, like, right? Uh, you're like, man, I can't wait. 
to get more of what Sway Lee's going through or what Sway Lee's, you know, a vision is. It's probably here too. Yeah. Um, and they're not album guys, right? This isn't necessarily an album put together. You, like you said, lots of singles. Lots of single hits, though. I mean, they're hits. Undeniable. But as a coherent album, right. this, this isn't a coherent album. It's Agreed. not. Uh, that up like Trump song. I was like, "What is this doing?" <laughs> but that was it. That was a hit, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really reward repeated listens. I think. Um, that's my take on it. But uh, so I think we're. We're. This is interesting. So that's that. We'll go with. Well, my third is is obviously uh, J.D. McPherson, uh, Let the Good Times Roll. And it's it's an album I listen to all the time. All mm. the time. It's, I'm, it's in the car. It's, it's always a step or two away from me. Uh, and I have my sister to thank. You know, my sister hit me back in like 2012 or whatever when he did signs and signifiers and i was like i dig this i dig this uh it's old school it's rockabilly i think rockabilly's a little underrated uh okay. and this album as i, I said it's right up is like it, infinitely older than that old sounding album mm-hmm it is like, I said, it sounds like something you found in a dead relative's attic. Uh, absolutely. You were like it's, clearing out your grandfather's shit and you blew the dust off. And you put yeah. this off. Uh, yeah, I would say it didn't, it doesn't sound of the times. Or I mean, of, of anything that was released in 2015, I guess we should, we should say. And the weird part is, like, I there's times when I think people are doing nostalgia better than the, the nostalgia they're aiming for. Oh, now so, what do you mean by so, that point? So here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. I think there's time there's times when it's like they're making it as good as you remember it, not as good as it was. Ooh. Like. A lot of the music that this is in service for isn't as good as this music. <laughs> wow. That's a good point because they're making it based on what they remember. And they remember the warmth, right? They remember the like Don McLean American Pie. They remember Americana feeling like this. Right. Don McLean didn't say underneath auspicious stars. That's just fucking hard man that shit's <laughs> this dude is good he's good um uh, yeah that shit is I, I i love this album i think there's this is kind of an album's album uh it's 11 songs it's you know everything makes sense uh lots of different tempos Bridge Builder is a totally different tempo from uh, something that's upbeat like bossy. Uh, mm -hmm. 
or shy boy. Uh, everything is, it, it's really beautifully constructed. And I think you can consider this kind of the opposite lane of what we were talking about with Race Remond, where like mm-hmm. Race Remond sets the table for people to be like, look, my new album is like a bag of singles. It's ill. There's a lot of ill singles. Listen mm-hmm. to it. Enjoy. Whatever. Uh, or just listen to the singles. I'm getting paid either way. <laughs> um, and the Americana, like an out, something that's niche like this, he can't do that. He can't be mm. like, bangers, bro. I'm throwing out bangers. <laughs> no Americana bangers. Like uh, He's not going to do what Taylor Swift does. So he, he's he lives in this kind of mid-tempo to low-tempo space, uh, occasionally bubbling up. Uh, but it's all about the album. It's all about how good the album is, how re-listenable the album is, and that becomes the calling card for you to get hooked in this, stay in this world. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I think, uh, I mean, J.D. McPherson, his... You're right. I think his, for like his degree of difficulty is a little bit different. Like if you're just if you're just a singles artist, like a Ray Schrummer, if you're just, you know, like look, I got six, I got six hits on here already. Whatever else we throw on there is is gonna be fine. They'll just skip over it, go to the next hit or whatever. With JD McPherson, it's like you said, I think it's like he's created a world that you go to. And so if, if there's a misstep, if there's like if you have to skip a song or like you know, skip two, you're broken from that trance a little bit. So it's a little bit more difficult when you're doing an album like like JD McPherson was doing to to have, you know, you can't, you don't really have room for mistakes. It's also like a different genre, right? It's also like one of the first albums I think of with this new genre, basically, that you see this with like Charlie Crockett, you see this with lots of the people that like they're doing they're, they're, they're taking rockabilly he's taking rockabilly he's taking country he's taking blues and he's just mixing it all together and he kind of he, he's not concerned about it right he, like the way I would uh, the way I'd frame it is like you remember in boxing in boxing people there was a point where everyone stopped caring about titles Mm. like there was a point where you know when i grew up roy jones jr refused to fight anybody good that was his deal right Uh i only fight people who suck to defend my title they were all mandatory opponents he made them look silly and he kept his title and he felt great about it you know that was how he wanted to do it but as you move to like dale to de la jolla's era and beyond start to see people like, man, who cares about this title, man? Like, I want the best fight. Right. Right? So people start to make mega fights and just kind of go where they want to, you know? And that's kind of what McPherson's doing here, right? He's like, I don't really care about being a country star. I don't really care about being a pop star. Like, I want pieces of this, I want pieces of this, and I want pieces of this. And I want to, however I want it. Right. And I want an audience that's smart enough to get what I'm doing. Mm. 
And that sets the stage for people like uh, Sturgill Simpson and, uh, you know, Tyler Childers and, you know, this kind of new school, right? Whereas they're doing whatever they want to, you know, like that Sturgill Simpson album that got nominated for a Grammy that had like all these horns that he said were like inspired by Marvin Gaye, like. Uh, he wanted some Marvin Gaye in his country album. That's what's up, you know. Like he didn't want to apologize for it, and then he wanted to do a country version of a Nirvana song, and he was like, "Fuck it," you know. Uh, get it? You get it? You don't? You don't? You know? Uh, and JD's the one I remember for that. Like uh, that he was like, "I'm building this sandcastle how I want," and it's going to be very unique. And if people like. Uh, there's this dude, Peter Galarnik, who writes a lot about the history of music. And he loves J.D. McPherson. <laughs> um, yeah. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. You can hear it all. Uh, and, and honestly, it's probably more honest because a, a lot of the old country dudes love the old blues dudes, right? Mm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a... I mean, you can make... you can, Yeah. You could you can hear the influence of blues and an older country. Yeah, you can hear the influence of older country and blues, right? Like That's obviously, that. Ray Charles has that country music album uh, that changed the game. I don't know if you've heard about that. Like no, oh dude, Ray Charles has a, an album that is called like like I don't know, Adventures in Country Music or something, where he does he does country like standards his way. It's fucking awesome. It's really good. Adventures in country. Okay, I gotta check I that out then. Yeah, you can Google like Ray Charles country music and, and it'll it'll pop up. But he's uh, but yeah, like there was a lot of cross pollination there early on, right? Because it was about pain. It was about like kind of regional, you know, specifics. Um, so he kind of harkens back to that. I don't know. I I really like this album. Mm-hmm. Um, so do an interesting thing here. We'll switch up. I am going to pick two from yours. Okay. You pick two from mine. And then we'll decide whether the base person will decide if that makes sense. I think you, I, I've got one more though. If oh, you go wanna. ahead. Do it in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my, my number one is, so I, I think we both like this album, Ego Death by the Internet. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this, this was my favorite album of, of the, of the year that, of 2015. And I I feel like it was very underrated, but I, it's funny. I made a trip to Japan, like, uh, in 2019 and over in Japan, they still actually have record stores. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, what are they called? Like tower records where they, like record stores where they sell CDs. So I went over, I went into one and so I went to the R&B section and what they like, what the Japanese like to do in the, in this tower store, they would give you recommendations for like good artists that you should listen to. And obviously there was like a D'Angelo there at the top for a recommendation, right? you know, Marvin Gaye, Drake, whatever. The internet ego death was also a recommendation for an album to listen to. That's awesome. So, I mean, what it told me is 
that like yes it, in america it wasn't recognized as one of the best albums of the year but it's 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 global reach people what i should say is other countries can recognize excellence in music and can and they connect with it right so i just to type out together like i think ego death was an was an excellent album um i mean it launched the careers of you know sid uh, one of the best r&b singers in the game right now and then steve lacy who's yeah, also up and, totally. yeah up and coming as well so I felt like this was this was the album. I believe this was their third album. This was the album that launched them into the space that they're at now as one of the best groups in R and B, in my in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, and I think I think there's a comparison to be made with Kamasi here. Mm. Uh, you know, when we talked about Kamasi as like um, at at the head of this wave of west coast post-funk post-hip-hop jazz scientists right right um the internet are kind of that but for like the muted soul stuff right they are post-hip-hop uh they're post like you know Aaliyah and all that stuff there's a lot of Aaliyah in sid yes and like, sid absolutely and there's you see that finn her solo uh, a lot more, but there was, I mean, there's, it's a real band. They're playing the instruments and they're composing the songs, mm -hmm. but they're not like, they're not going there. The songs don't like pop up and go nuts. Like a lot of these songs are very, very muted and very beautiful, you know? Right. They stay in the pocket. Um, they stay in the pocket and it's, it's because they love soul music, dude. Yeah, they love soul music. They love R and B. They love this. This is not, this is not a crossover event, right? This is not something that they're, you know, doing haphazardly. Oof. And and look at the features on this thing. Janelle Monae is on this. Nick mm -hmm. Mensa, Katrinata, Oof. Tyler. Yeah. No, it's it's wild. By the way, yeah, Sid was part of that crew, Odd Future. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. So it's that that it's an important album, and I think they are important. And I think you're right; they're a little bit slept on, and in, in, and they're a little bit controversial, honestly, because I've heard some people be like, that "Shit is boring," you know. No. Uh, and I think that I I understand that that's the soul's going to be that way, right? It's, you're either going to, it's either going to connect with you or you're going to find it boring. Right. Right. Uh, but it, it depends on where you are uh, and where the music is. But uh, for those of us that it connects, it connects deeply and it hooks in and never goes away. And every album they make is important to me. Uh, Absolutely. You're right. It's because of ego death. I didn't know them before ego death. Right. Yeah. So your three are Kamasi, Ego Death, and Shremmer. Ray Shremmer, Shremmer, whatever, yes. 
And then you have Casey Musgraves, JD McPherson, and Drum. Yep. Yep. That makes sense, man. So, do you want to pick first, or do you want me to pick first? What are we, so? What are we doing? What do you want to? I'm pick. I'm suggest picking you. Then you are giving your real picks. Oh. Okay. And vice versa. Okay. Yeah, you can make sense. Start. Yeah. All right. So, bottom line, to me, the best album of any of our candidates, of these six, the best album is Epic by Kamasi Washington. Best in what way? Pure, pure best skill, like best artistry. Yes. Like I, I remember I was listening to this today and I said, shit, dude. Uh, like the next step by Kamasi Washington that one 14 minute song on disc one. Yeah. More important than this entire weekend album. <laughs> like, okay. You know, just, yeah, right. There's so much there, right? There's so much going on compositionally to do three albums and they're like 12 minute, 14 minute, eight minute songs, um, all these different flavors. I mean, it's wild. It's wild. Right. right. So, I think it's a massive work, and I think it it reinvigorated jazz, right? It there was yep. like a real shot that went through it, like fuck, dude, like because the public knew he was the guy from To Pimp a Butterfly, right? To Pimp a Butterfly came out very early in the year, mm-hmm. and so when he came out, I mean, people that knew To Pimp a Butterfly fell right into him. Yes. And he had an audience that a lot of jazz people didn't have. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, it's funny because that's how I, he, he pulled me in and then I pulled my dad in. So now, you know, he's got two fans from different, different ways. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And, and Kamasi's never tried to be anything else. He's, he's always just done his thing. Uh, yeah, that that um has my utmost respect. Um, I can't I can't necessarily suggest Shremond, uh, because honestly, like I can suggest it in the terms of Mike Will, right? Mike Will made it. This is coming out party. This is where he's able to take control. I'm into that, but the group still feels odd. The dynamics still feel really odd. Yeah. And, yeah, and Swayley, does, oh, go ahead. Whaley doesn't feel like he's hit his stride yet. Right. If I had to predict it, I would say there will be a time where Swayley drops another record that makes the whole world fucking sing. Like right. he's got that power in him. That that Spider-Man song is proof of it. It's he's that dude, but like right. He hasn't really put that on record yet, if that makes sense. And and I think also like I, I don't think it'll I don't and here's my theory. Albums that are based on like hit singles or making hits usually don't withstand the test of time. It's like a house. Like if you're building a house and you have holes in the foundation or cracks in the foundation, eventually 
your your house is going to fall. Right. And I think with albums that are based on the premise, like, look, we've got, you know, we have 11 songs on here, but six of them are hits. Those five other songs are the cracks in the album, not causing right. it not to withstand the test of time. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It, it, it's 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 a moment, but honestly, it's not even their biggest moment. Right. I think you could say that that two is probably better than one. Absolutely. So and more impactful, right? Black Beatles. Yep. Black huge song. So, I I I would see if you give me two. I go ego death and Kamasi. If you give me one, I go Kamasi. Uh, what what are your thoughts on where which one you would? And you know? on my two on my list, your list, yep. Yeah, Kamasi, Kamasi, and ego death. Yep, that works. Yep, yep. And, and then, and if you had one, would it be ego death or would it be would it be Kamasi? I, you know, I, Ego Death is my favorite, but I, I, I agree with your argument that, you know, the epic was a, was a monumental feat for, mm -hmm. for music. So it goes deeper than whether I like it. It's, it's, it's a testament to the talent of, of those individuals uh, involved with the album. So yeah, I, I, I go Kamazi Washington would be the one that would you know, withstand the test of time. Love it, man. Love it. The um, so with with you, you go ahead, dig into my three. What are you thinking? And and the same argument that I use with Ray Shrummer would be the reason why I think you would probably pick Casey Musgraves, JD McPherson. Um, and if you had to pick one. I feel like you would go Casey Musgraves. I think it's, I, while J.D. McPherson is the technically, like it's musically, it's a very excellent album. It's at the same time, it's, um, I don't want to call it a, tri a tribute to that, to that time period, but it's referential to that time period that it, you know, they create the music to sound like. I think Casey Musgraves was something fresh fresh and something you know something unique yeah no it it, it it's a he's great mcpherson's great you know by the way to to agree with you dram the same problems with with shrem life right if we're talking about the singles guys right mm -hmm. they have moments they have songs that that you know will be theirs forever but an album, this is why if someone sends me a dope song in my email, I, and I, I did this recently, dude sent me a song. Hey, would you review the song? I said, hey, man, keep me in the loop when you drop your project. Mm. If, I, if I'm reviewing it, I want to have heard more than just a song. If I do a song review, the song is on an album that I listen to all of. Right. I need to understand what are the strengths and weaknesses here. And I can't do that from one song. That's a good point. So it's uh, it, it's the same thing where like a, 
a truly great album gives us the listeners and a whole picture right mm -hmm. uh, that we can carry with us you know and and really change things so dram would be out but mcpherson there's a link there there's, there's been people like this richard holly british dude uh like singer songwriter great with moods great with writing uh you know we we listen to elliot smith here right like right. there's always going to be killer singer songwriters in different genres doing cool shit right and um it's an amazing album it's one of my favorites i still do it all the time but the difference with a great pop album and i'm not putting pop over anything right i am not a poptimist but i'm not like a pessimist on it either right it has a place right. and a pop album like this page pageant material that shifts the very nature of um of what the pop music is and can be mm -hmm. um is a big deal that's a big deal and um that it it helps everyone see a wider vision right you look at think about it as like if you're listening to just this the rest of it is darkness right right your your tunnel vision but when someone breaks it open and gives you more you can't unsee that right like the next person yeah. who tries to give you this you're like but i got this over here like right um, and so it, it just isn't the same. So it puts pressure on the rest of the market. I think she did that. And I, I think she kicked off. We, we saw the wave right from like, you know, uh, Lady Gaga Joanne, which embraced country sounds. Kesha yep. had an album that embraced uh, the warmth of country sounds. And a lot of that probably came back to Musgraves the way that That's, good point. That's a very good point. It's because you like Joanne. You thought Joanne was Lady Gaga's best album, right? It's my favorite album. Your favorite. I don't like the I don't understand the Gaga thing. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, it, it, the regular regular Gaga, I do not understand. Right. I do not understand. Like, this is kind of like um, half-ass madonna uh -oh. really generic pop beats Oof. i don't understand what people are excited about regarding that like um i don't know i don't know but joanne was really able to show more of her voice and uh the ronson production was really good uh but she still had fun dance songs in there it was a good mix right. uh, I really like that album, but that's probably the only one. Mm. I'll have to give that a listen. But you're right. I think I I, I never even made that connection, but you're right. I think because Joanne came out, what, like 2017, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that, that would make sense. Yeah, I think it was the people were hearing it, man. It's not, I'm not, I don't know. Sometimes on the outside, if you're not in side music like i'm not clearly not i'm not getting advanced copies of cool albums like it's not <laughs> um, but if you're just a person 
you only you only know after the fact that this has been influential, right? Wow. Uh, you only know like when the history's written, right? When they're like doing a twenty-year look back, they're like, actually, Luther Vandross wrote that song for David Bowie. And everyone's like, what? Um, but the the influence when something that big happens, musicians hear it, and musicians know why it's important. Like one of the things I was talking to Alaska Adams about was Def Jux uh, was that because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I really like listening to artists review other artists work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dem One is, is a rapper who is part of the Dad Bod Rap Pod Collective. Whenever they're reviewing an album, they don't they're not emotional about it. They're not like, oh, this makes my heart sing or sink. You know, they are, they're looking at it like it's either broken or it's, it's working great. Right. Like they're looking at it very functionally. Wow. They're just like, oh, this is, this works or, ah, it's broken because this doesn't align with this. Like there's, because this is what they do. Right. So you have, I mean, you have a real different look because the rest of us are really caught up in zeitgeist and all this. So I think a lot of people saw the kind of functional brilliance of pageant material and were like, that's good shit. I'll, yeah. I'll sprinkle a little bit of that over here. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, man, that's, that's my thing. But, um, yeah, so that's, I think that those are the, the canon dates. The final would be uh, Casey Musgraves for me, Kamasi for you, if we broaden it out to two. Um, we have uh, Let the Good Times Roll and Pageant Material, and you have Kamasi. Ego. And ego death. In that, yeah. Perfect, man. Perfect. Now, the uh, the other thing to, and this leads me right into recommendation corner. He was, uh, was listening to call out culture, and Zilla was talking about a conversation. This is an older taping, so they were talking about a conversation he had with Scorsese, Lord Jones. And they were talking about great artists. There's a time in your career where you have to take the big piece of chicken. Mm. Love this analogy. It's so great. Zilla explains it so perfectly. This is like, you know, you go, you go in there sometimes, you, you like know a great producer and you go over there and you're like, I'll, I'll take a wing. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, okay. It's fine. You know, whatever you've got. Uh, but like, Jay stepped up the ski beats and was like, feeling it. That's mine. You know, like, um, and there's a time when you believe in yourself and you know what you, what the vision you have for this song and you have to take the big piece of chicken. It it reminds me of a line. Drake has a line. He goes, uh, don't, don't be mad because you couldn't have made it that he, I mean, he was referring to 
you know, Diddy, but yes. he, was, he was saying nonetheless, like, yeah, you know, I know that you did the song, but come on now, I'm me. You know right. that you know that if 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 I connect to it, I'm gonna make it huge. And you can't hate on that. Right. You can't say you would have done it the same way because you're not me. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's and and uh that beauty behind the madness, that is the album where where Weekend takes the big piece of chicken, right? Mm. That is totally the album where he's done with it. He's done with apprenticing with Drake. He's done with <laughs> like, trying to do like, he, I think, and I think he was honestly trying to do like a legit cosign of like, you're dope. I'm dope. Like we'll do songs together. It'll raise profile. It'd be cool. Right. And it was not the relationship that he wanted at the time. And Beauty and Behind the Madness was him clearing all that out and being like, no, man, big piece of chicken time. I believe, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so shout out to that album and him. Uh, so yeah, recommendation corner. Scorsese Lord Jones has passed away. It was unbelievable. It was, I, I don't know where I was. I'm still trying to figure it out and, and deal with it. I was talking to him every day, you know, like, uh, he retweeted me six hours before he died, man. It was fucking crazy. Mm. Um, and this is this is a hat that he gave me. That look, not didn't gave me. I bought it, but this is the Nation Gang hat. Uh, I'm wearing Nation Gang jogging pants. They're, they feel amazing. <laughs> uh, they're, it's so good. Like I just needed new sweatpants. My wife was making fun of me, uh, but they're unbelievable. Um, the merchandise is just top quality. Um, and he has an album coming out, I think, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Friday, uh, coming Friday. Let me see here. I thought it was the 21st, but let me, it might be Friday. Let me, I, it's called Lobster Tales in the Tesla. Mm. Yep. And 21st. Oh, so that is tomorrow. Yeah, that that'll be exciting. And he was he loved playing with words and doing weird stuff with it. So he's got these album titles are unbelievable. Uh lobster grilled cheese, uh, you know, or a meshy wardrobe, the ghost of Eddie Gilbert, Scarface Mahogany. Oh fucking beautiful, dude. He was so he was so good, and you know everybody should should buy that. Um, and when Bandcamp Day comes in the first week of February, go to Insubordinate Records, cop up, you know, buy these amazing jogging pants, um, get this music and enjoy who this was, man, because he loved it. He loved this music. Um, and he, yeah, he had his big piece of chicken before he went out, man. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my recommendation there. Scorsese, Lord Jones, hell of an MC. Um, oh, you don't know this. You don't know this. Okay. I don't think. We got two subscribers today. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
yep, we've entered our own no flex zone. So it's <laughs> um, it's good. I owe you a dinner. Uh, we we will we'll, we'll do it once uh, the rampant death is over. So, oh, so where did he? Where like where did they where did they hear about it from? I mean, it must have been something. Uh, well, we're getting hits all the time, man. Come on now. Come on, you know? Come on. We are we're, we're popping. Don't worry about oh. it. We got it going on. The <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, the it's good. It's good. It's been great. And there's people who hit me up and check on how I'm doing with the site and it gets better and better and they're interested. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this is it, this is honestly, it's weirdly enough, it's a way. You can pitch people and just be like, yo, you do you like we used to hang out. Now we don't get to. But you can <laughs> hang out with me every week. I'm talking music, right? Like um, <laughs> because we're here every fucking week and we're going through the human experience, man. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm 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 pumped that we that we have people that are gonna hit it and hear it, especially since we have the fat Tony episode. Which oh man! Um, yeah, no, it's just she's awesome. So we will work work uh, to get cool shit going on. But I will uh, talk to you later, man. Peace, everybody. Appreciate Danny Green. <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't play well on offense, but he still defends pretty well, which is more than I can say for a lot of people. <laughs>